This is the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and each week I have the opportunity to go on to 600 KGEZ in Kalispell, Montana, and talk to Anthony Knockreiner about the Seahawks. Here's our conversation from this week, previewing the upcoming game against the L.A. Chargers and looking back to the Seahawks' loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Welcome back to the Knock On Sports and joining me in studio, we talk to Seahawkers podcast and the Field Goals podcast host Brandon Schultz as we talk about week two of the preseason and getting ready for the dress rehearsal, which is week three. Brandon, great to have you back in studio, even though I'm not so sure you might want to leave Orlando. (laughs) I don't know. I apparently brought the rain with me back here to uh, (laughs) normally sunny August in Montana, but... Uh, yeah, it's it was fine. I'm I'm glad to get away from the humidity and back to normal temperatures here in Montana. See, I was born in it. I was molded by humidity, so it doesn't bother me. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that must be nice. It is uh, brutal. <laughs> Brandon, obviously Vikings 25, Seahawks 19. The win lost. I don't think really matters. Uh, but your biggest takeaway? What was the biggest thing that you came away with after that game? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Win-loss, whether it matters or not, I think depends on which side of the the, the score the Seahawks are on. If mm-hmm. it's a preseason win, then it matters. If okay. it's a preseason loss, it doesn't matter. So we, <laughs> we just have to be clear on, on how we stand on that. Uh, the big takeaways for me in this game, seeing Russell Wilson out there for the first time, he looked like he was in regular season form. That was nice to see. Uh, seeing Puna Ford on the interior of the defensive line going up against the Minnesota Vikings starters, he was a standout player. Of course, you have Deshaun Shedd with the, the only touchdown of the game. And seeing... Uh, Jerron Brown and Tyler Lockett out there as the two starting wide receivers. I feel like now that we got to see some of the starters out there, for for me, it really solidified in my mind some of the questions I kind of had of of how they would switch things up, how how things might look going into week one of the season. And so that was nice for me to see. I was going to say, let's start with Puna Ford because I feel like he did some really nice things. And it, and for me, I think it does really help answer the question of, okay, who can step up and re- and help not replace Jaron Reed, but fill in for him while he's gone? And then all of a sudden, once Reed does come back, you still have now Ford in the rotation. Yeah, having those two guys in the middle now, uh, you know, Ford playing the nose and then uh, Jaron Reed playing three technique potentially. So the, having those, both those guys in the middle will, will be kind of fun once once that happens. But there is still that question of who's going to be the guys outside and with all of kind of the health concerns throughout preseason with Ziggy Anza not, we haven't seen him yet, but expecting him week one or two, LJ Collier, the first round pick, expecting him, you know, week one, week two. So they're working their way through injuries. And I guess one of the nice things was, is that with all those questions of, of who's going to be providing that pass rush, you, you start to say to yourself, okay, well, if those guys can't go, Cassius Marsh and Barkevius Mingo, they can probably do a good enough job in the meantime. I was going to say, does the injury bug concern you at all? Because, I mean, the injuries are are stacking up already. Yeah, I, I'm always looking out for injury luck and how that's going to play throughout the season. Uh, with Marquise Blair being injured, DK Metcalf, I don't know if I... Judging from what Pete Carroll was saying in his Wednesday press conference, I don't think it's as much to worry about with DK Metcalf, but LJ Collier and uh, and and Marquise Blair, the, the first two picks, that's probably where the biggest concern is. And then you, you kind of know that Anza has that kind of history. 
And, you know, our theory on the Seahawkers podcast is once you get CJ Procise out of the building at, at the VMAC, <laughs> then that will help just alleviate so many concerns because he's been consistently injured throughout his entire Seahawks career. Yeah, he's been one of those ones that just can't stay healthy, and it's unfortunate because I, I think he really could have been an exciting football player out of the backfield, and uh, unfortunate for him. But at this time, it also creates opportunity. And I'll tell you what, I, I think the one-two punch of Carson and Penny, I, I, I'm really liking what I see from Penny in year two. Yeah, the this game wasn't Penny's greatest going up against the Vikings, but you know, one excuse that I think you can make for him is that that second-team offensive line was not good. It didn't give Paxton Lynch a whole lot of time. It didn't give Penny very many lanes for running. Get Penny out in space, it was a little bit different. And I think that's going to be one of the things looking forward to coming up against the Chargers is seeing Penny now behind that first-team offensive line where Carson had a lot of success. But you even saw Travis Homer out there with the second and third string offensive line, and he was just running right into guys, and he looked decisive doing it. And, and Penny, not so much on the decisiveness. So that's one of the things I'm going to be watching for against the Chargers. My featured guest is Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers podcast as we are talking about uh, the Week 2 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Brandon, the other part I want to talk to you about is because it's something that we have spent many, many times talking about is the offensive line. This offensive line looks solidified. They've got a pretty good pass rush against Minnesota. I know limited reps still, but they didn't allow a sack on Russell Wilson. I, I really feel this feels it's got to feel like the best offensive line for the Seahawks fans in a long time. Uh, going back probably to 2013 easily. And we, we kind of had an idea, right? When you just look at the level of talent, you have Jermaine Effetti going into the final year of his four-year rookie deal. Uh, Ethan Posick out there looking at, as though he's improved and holding his own, but then you have you know veteran Justin Britt, second round pick, and DJ Fluker, who's you know becoming more of a veteran, and of course the All Pro Dwayne Brown. So it it is nice to not be complaining about uh, not be complaining about the offensive line going into the season. Instead, it seems like we're complaining about something that's been a really steady strength for the Seahawks, and that's been their secondary. I was going to say, the secondary is kind of, con I'm thinking concerning. Shed's looking good, mm -hmm. but at the same time, another area where we haven't been able to see Marquise Blair. I wonder if he can, if he stays healthy or when he comes back healthy, if that solidifies that. And even though that they have some, some guys who are, are pretty talented, I think the difference is that was your group of all, all pro players, you know, when mm -hmm. you had Sherman and Thomas and Cam Chancellor. And now it's a group of, you know, I don't even think you have you can point to a guy and say that guy's a pro bowler. I, Bradley McDougal might be the one guy who's a, a borderline uh, pro bowl type player, and the rest you are counting on youth and and growth, and and you're kind of hoping that they can get to that level. But I don't think you you can point to anybody and say that's the guy. Are you concerned about Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers right now? I'm not so concerned, especially considering it's Minnesota and it's you know Kirk Cousin and a non Kirk Cousins in a non-pressure situation going downfield to to Adam Thielen, you know, and that's a preseason game against that where the guys are getting beat. Yeah, it's, it's not my biggest concern, mm -hmm. but again, they're going to go up against another good quarterback and another good set of wide receivers and the LA Chargers.
We're only a couple weeks away from the start of the NFL regular season. We are into week three now of the preseason, which is the most important game. That is the dress rehearsal. The Seahawks will take on the Chargers. Uh, Brandon, something we didn't get to. Obviously, Paxton Lynch hurt after that vicious hit uh, from the Vikings defender. Uh, Geno Smith still recovering from his injury. It feels like even though Paxton Lynch made pretty good headway in that first preseason game, Maybe that fourth preseason game, this is my theory, the fourth preseason game where we really find out who's the backup to Russell Wilson. I think it's going to be Geno Smith. I I think I've seen enough from Paxton Lynch just in this one game uh, because knowing knowing his history with Paxton Lynch Mm -hmm. and then knowing just how motivated he was against the Broncos to show up uh, against his former team and really playing against third and fourth stringers. So I... I expected him to go out and play like he did against Denver. And then I felt like he was the type of guy that I've I've expected over the years when he played with Denver when going up against the Vikings. So I think that it makes a lot more sense for the Seahawks to go Geno Smith as the backup. And it may not be great against the Chargers coming up this week. We'll see a lot more Geno Smith, obviously, with Paxton uh, sitting down against the Chargers. And then they'll they'll probably both get action in that game against the Raiders, depending on what happens. But um, I I do expect Geno Smith to be the backup quarterback, unless it's somebody who isn't even on the roster yet. I was going to say you got JT Barrett. I wonder if I don't think he's going to crack the lineup, but I am still kind of curious. The former Ohio State quarterback, and they've always if they've just gone with two quarterbacks on as starters. They've always carried a practice squad quarterback, and I would expect you know, nobody's looking to for JT Barrett to come in and be their third string guy. So, I would expect the Seahawks could could have him be on the pack on the practice squad. Let's also talk about DK Metcalf and the wide receiver group in general. You talked about Brown and you talked about Lockett; those two yeah. guys. Uh, how do you feel about the depth behind those guys? Obviously, DK dealing with the knee surgery, but the depth in some of the guys that we saw drafted recently. I think David Moore, you put him in the mix too. I think that's your solid four. And then the last three, I think you're you're only going to pick one or two among John Ursua, the seventh-round pick, Gary Jennings, the fourth-round pick, and Jazz Ferguson, who's kind of been the guy who's been performing the best of the of those three in the preseason. Although I think you could make a case for Ursua too. Just haven't seen a whole lot from Jennings, but with him being the fourth-round pick, that's not a guy you're going to be able to likely carry over to the practice squad. Like maybe, and even the way Ursua is playing, I don't know if any one of those guys can make the practice squad. So, um, I do think they go six, and and one of those guys unfortunately ends up not making it. And I think because of the the size comparison of Jazz Ferguson and DK Metcalf, I think Ferguson might be the one who's ultimately left out of that that six man receiver group. We're here with Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers podcast. Let's talk about the Chargers game. Brandon, uh, the dress rehearsal here. What do you most want to see out of the starters? I, I want to see Russell Wilson, another performance like we saw from him last week. I think the Chargers do have a, a solid defense. So if they can go after the, that Chargers defense the same way they went against the Vikings, that'll be you know provide me with a lot of optimism going into the season. The On the defensive side, Phillip Rivers just always – seems to dominate the Seahawks whenever he faces them in preseason. Okay. And so I'm I'm looking for them to hopefully limit Phillip Rivers and his attack downfield. But I, I am curious, though, if he comes right out, goes on a big drive, gets a touchdown drive, kind of like he always does against the Seahawks in the preseason. 
I'm curious to see how the Seahawks respond, you know, especially if it's uh, if they get up by more than two scores is the offense. You know, are they going to try and, and really try some things uh, how they might respond that way in a regular season type game? Or are they just going to go out there and, and you know, work through whatever plan they had going into the game? Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what, let's talk about Shed for just a second, too. Do you think he if he has another game because he's been pretty consistent yeah. safety interception return? Does he crack the, start talking about cracking the, the starting lineup here if he has another good game against the Chargers in that wide receiving group? Oh, that's a good question because t- he would be competing, I think, with Tedrick Thompson for the other safety spot. And you know, then you could go Bradley McDougal, Deshaun Shedd. I think Tedrick's been doing fairly well in the preseason. I I just see Shed maybe as, you know, that fifth defensive back that you put out on the field, whether it's uh, you know, a, a big nickel type situation or yeah, I he, it feels like that's more the role for him, mm-hmm. uh, being the veteran and then being able to fill in if there's a potential injury. But that's the one thing I do like about him is his versatility and being able to play so many spots. And the other guy, too, is Ugo Amati, who he had that big hit against in, in the punt return yep. uh, on the Vikings uh, punt returner. And then he's, he's made some other plays throughout the preseason. So I do like how they have some depth at the safety spot. Although, like I mentioned, they don't have any star players where you looked at that, at that position group in the past. You know what's funny, Brandon? I'm trying to think because, like, okay, you look outside KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett. I don't know if I put Carson in that realm just yet of as, as a star yeah. player for mm-hmm. the Seahawks. Like, if we were playing NCAA and you got that impact star on that player, yeah. who would you say after those guys would be the next? Uh, well, you didn't mention our punter, Michael Dixon. True. I'm sorry, Michael <laughs> Dixon. I apologize. You definitely are a game changer. As uh, He's an all-pro. I know. That's why it was very clear to me as soon as I, I didn't hear his name said. I don't know how you left him <laughs> off. But I think people will I think people will talk about Carson in that way, and I think Lockett's going to step up and, and be considered. Uh, I think you did mention his name, but um, you know that type of playmaker, too. And I think you know, Puna Ford has been talked about as potentially that type of guy too on that defensive interior. So while they don't maybe have the stars in the secondary, I, I do think in the other position groups, you can find those players. We're here with Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers podcast as we are getting ready for week three of the preseason. Brandon, to shift gears, we're going to stay in Seattle, oh. but we're going to shift gears to spring football. The XFL <laughs> yesterday announced the teams, the logos, yeah. the names, we got a team in Seattle for the XFL, so I got to ask, man, are you going to pay any attention? Do you have any interest in the Seattle Dragons in the XFL? We're only two weeks from the start of the NFL season, and, and you're wanting to jump forward, skip the entire NFL season, and start talking XFL football in the spring. I, I see where your head's at, Anthony. Hey, listen, I'm excited. I can give football 365. I'll take it. You know, I need I need football between the long months of the end of the, the Super Bowl and, and July when we start talking training camp once again. I need something there. Yeah. And so I, I think the XFL is going to be a success. I'm rooting for McMahon and the XFL. I think they did it in the right way in the sense that bringing in Jim Zorn for the Seahawks coach, it does give, I think you need that tie-in to the local community in some way. And we saw it a little bit with the AAF, how they brought in some regional players from colleges and 
And I like that idea because if you have some Washington Huskies or if you have some guys, even Montana Grizzly players mm-hmm. that you know aren't quite good enough to make the NFL, but can be part of that regional uh, group to where you go, oh, I want to turn it on and and see this particular player, or you know, see Jim Zorn coach, you know, who was the quarterback for the Seahawks for so long, and coaching the Dragons. And I, the team name is fine. I, I, I don't. At least know. they didn't go with a hawk. Yeah, <laughs> although there was one of the XFL teams that, that was that the was same. A hawk. But I, but I do like the name though, the St. Louis Battlehawks. Battlehawks. That's yeah. that's badass. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Schultz joining me here from the Seahawkers Podcast. Brandon, if they want to follow your work, how can they do it? Check us out, SeahawkersPodcast.com. We just uh, released a show here uh, today on Thursday, so uh, check that out, SeahawkersPodcast.com. And, uh, of course, you can check us out, too, at FieldGoals.com. As I say, when are you guys going to have a new episode, or do you already have an episode up for the Field Goals Podcast? Uh, well, we will probably, I may cover it, I, I may release a show before game time on Saturday. Fair enough, fair enough. Brandon, always a pleasure to have you in studio, my friend. Looking forward to chatting with you again soon. 